Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Keith Foster. I write the comics Animals, Three Protectors, and Kadoja. And I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift, Wanders Melisanda, and Paradise Hills. Yeah, and hey, you know what? You know who we're going to give a special shout out to, Scott? Who's that? Everybody listening. Everybody listening. Because uh, it's time. It's time for us to get to what we think will be the lowest downloaded episode ever. But (laughs) we're, we're, we're timing this out so that it drops on the Monday before Thanksgiving because listenership tends to dip over holidays, right? It's pretty normal. And so, um, here, hold on. Actually, let me just cue. Actually, I can do it while you're talking. All right, forget it. Um, so, so this is the long awaited or long dreaded episode, uh, that involves a little bit about, uh, taxes and incorporation and things. We're still going to have, so, Hey, if you're still listening, don't, don't shut it off. Like you see the episode marks. We're still going to talk about our week. Okay. Like, like we promise, we promise this is going to be as fun as possible, but we got this great, uh, email that we're going to read when we get into the main part of the topic. And one of the things they talked about was just, you need to do this episode. So here we are, we're doing this episode. And if you're already listening to it, then you've, you've won half the battle, right? Because most, again, most times people will see a topic. They'll be like, Oh, it's not for me. And, uh, and what is, what is less fun than taxes and incorporation, right? So, uh, so that's what we're going to talk about in a little bit, but we have so much more to do before that. So, what are you drinking, my friend? Oh, I am I'm drinking a gift. So my buddy Keith here, he came down for a visit in San Diego, had to do some business. And then after that, we uh, did the normal business of meeting up, looking at some books and drinking some beers. But he also passed this off to me. It's from Great Nation, a double stack. It is 11% ABV. It is an Imperial Breakfast Stout. Now, this thing smells amazing. Imperial stout with coffee, maple syrup, natural flavor, and caramel color. One point, uh, one pint, 16 ounces. So yeah. Uh, thank you for this. This is something that's gotten rave reviews from you yeah. on past episodes. So I'm definitely looking forward to this for sure. Yeah, we're here. We're here. How about you? And, uh, what do you and got? More, more importantly, Scott, what's the ABV on that bad boy? I don't remember. 11. Yeah. 11%. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I'm going hard in the paint uh, okay. today, boys. Yes, yes. And girls. So I am, what I am drinking is like, I'm not even sure what this is. This is, you know what I'm drinking, Scott? I'm drinking science. I'm drinking science because I'm drinking something called the Brewabunga Cove from Boulevard Brewing Company. It is an imperial golden cold brew with hazelnut and vanilla. Okay? So it sounds great. This is a stout. This is a golden stout. There is such a thing as a golden stout. So I'm going to bust this open. The flavors are very intriguing. It's a pint, and it is 8.0%. So that's, that's, that's good talking. That's, that's good for talking. You know, uh, nothing quite like it. I mean, this thing pours pretty much like a, like a Belgian. Um, you know, it's got that golden hue. It's not quite as bright in color as a lager, but we're going to get to it here. So I'm going to sip on this. And, uh, and you can tell me the first thing that you did this week. Uh, my first thing was the Kickstarter is live. So Astounding Adventures number one is finally here. So, um, you know, number one, if you haven't backed it yet, please back it now. Uh, uh, we always appreciate that here on the pod. You enjoy the pod. Back our Kickstarters. So I've basically been doing a large amount of prep for that this entire week. You know, it's 
not as fun, it's not as glamorous as drawing interior pages, but it is much needed and it is a process because I'm pretty much doing this all on my own. The only other creator that's part of the Accidental Aliens that is working on this book was Travis. And Travis, unfortunately, he's in the middle of uh, some schooling stuff. So he's getting a higher education. And so he is not able to focus on stuff like this. So that falls to your boy. Um, so I get to tackle pretty much all of it myself. What kind of schooling are we talking about? Are we talking about like school and suckers on the court? School? That's right. Yeah. yeah he has school a wicked crossover. Cool. Turns those people around. Iverson, God, <laughs> Sham, God, Travis. That's what oh, I'm talking about. That's Dude, I should... That's a shirt. <laughs> we should make that shirt. <laughs> and it'll make no sense to Travis, which is even better. <laughs> right. Even though he's yeah. crossing suck is over. Okay, sorry. Please yeah. continue. Yeah, so uh, he is uh, a teacher. So he is going for, um, like, you know, stuff like that. He's actually schooling people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. okay, Actual wait. School. He's doing both. He's schooling people on the court, and he's actually schooling people. That's right. I'm not backing down from this stance. Yeah, exactly. Multitask. Yeah, multitask. At the yeah, same it's, time. It's, it's the way he lives his life. All <laughs> yeah. day, every day, schooling, doesn't matter where he's at. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I am basically doing the Kickstarter by myself, so that means I've been creating graphics for reward tiers. I have been creating, uh, um, uh, placing the logos, the indicia, like all of that on the cover work, doing the cover treatment. And so it it is very time-consuming. It's not exactly what I like to call fun. But mm -hmm. it is definitely part of the process. And, you know, if you want your Kickstarter to succeed, if you want people to scroll onto your Kickstarter just by chance, like people that just go on Kickstarter to look at stuff, um, number one, you need an awesome thumbnail. And I really do love the thumbnail for this issue. Um, I always have a hard time pronouncing his name. He is an artist that I found on Facebook. He is uh, in Russia, uh, I do believe. So... Fyodor Dostoevsky. You know, the first part of that was actually pretty close. It's like, Filia uh, Bratukhin. Okay. And so he's he's pretty badass. He's actually had a couple of covers for DC. I believe he's done stuff for Scout Comics. And uh, he's an amazing artist. You can tell he is very Jeff Darrow influenced. Mm -hmm. And so he created a nice cover for me. That is starring all three characters from Astounding Adventure. And uh, so I use that. I use that as the thumbnail, and I put the logo right on there. I think it looks pretty badass. Joaquin, uh, my normal colorist, he did the colors for it, and he had some great choices. And he said, I have an idea. Is it okay if I just roll with it, essentially? And I was like, absolutely. I have no clue on how to color something like this. Like, I don't have a vision for it. So if you do knock it out and and he sure as hell did like it's beautiful like a beautiful piece so i think that will really pop as people are scrolling and two after people click the kickstarter you, you need to have enough visual elements to keep people stimulated so not only do you have to have your covers and your interior pages or some interior interior pages in there to kind of entice people like hey this might be a cool little project um, but you also need graphic elements as far as your reward tiers and like headers. That's something else that I've noticed other Kickstarters that are very successful have that I haven't had in the future or the past. I'm sorry. Or uh, the future. Or the future. I'm not going to learn a lesson. Yeah. I see the they have exactly. it. I'm not learning from it. Scott, Scott has actually, speaking of time travel, he has mastered it, but he's not going to change his ways. <laughs> no. Yeah. I see what happens when I do. Yeah. 
<laughs> nothing but wrong comes of it. So I will be stuck in my ways from here on out. Yeah. Uh, you will get no new ideas from me. It's all going to be very relatively Love. Compact, compact right. on an idea level. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's. Did a you have anything more before? Yeah. Okay. No man, go okay. for it. So I want to I want to hook into something that I think is interesting here because when you talked about Joaquin having ideas for the colors, I have seen. I think the Kickstarter. I haven't seen the full cover, but I've seen the piece that you're using because you shared it with me. I think and I did sh- share the full, full cover with you and Gary. With, uh, okay, with, I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember. Okay. But yeah, so okay, I, I guess I have seen the whole cover. The colors are very nice. And, and it's making me realize that there, are, there is depth to coloring that I'm not sure we have talked about and appreciated on this podcast before. And um, I'm going to look to know me is drink. The, the music reference is coming. Big Pimp Jones went into the studio. This is technically our final studio recording. It still hasn't seen the light of day. I still need to work on it because what we did was, so we have these dope ass drums, like really great sounding drums with Latin percussion on them. And uh, so it it was through uh, the drummer's buddy, this guy named Frank, um, who owns, my drummer is my peer, is the guy who owns the studio. Frank's my drummer. And um, so Pierre was, was seeing that we were doing percussion. And he was like, oh, I'm good friends with this professional percussionist who plays in, like, Latin jazz bands. And I believe I asked the question, like, I don't know, like, if we hire him, that seems kind of expensive for someone who is doing what we can do. And he went, you need to bring him along, and then you'll see the difference between what you do and what he does. Right. And and that's making me, what you just said about coloring makes me appreciate that you know, like like when you really think about it, there is dope coloring going on out there. And I wonder if if I've been taking it for granted as a fan without understanding the work that goes into it. You know, it's not just it's not as simple as people think. There is an art to choosing the color palette, to choosing specific colors, specific pantones, etc. And uh, and I, I think this is the kind of stuff that we all sort of appreciate but I did want to call it out because you just made me realize that there is sort of this other world that that people who do color, you know, uh, actual colorists who are like big time pros probably have that same response when people are like, well, I can color my comic. It's like, <laughs> but if you hired me, you'd see the difference between hiring a pros pro to color your comic versus you coloring your comic. Yeah, that's how I feel about when I write my scripts, you know, like when I do these stories myself, I'm like. Yeah, this is this is the beginning stages of writing for me and people like you and Ed, you guys are on a different level than I am. So it's just like I have no I don't know, I, I have no uh 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 I don't know, like a false bravado about how good I am as a writer. I know there's levels to this and so it's just like no, I I know I'm only okay, you know, at mm-hmm. doing this and that's why I run stuff by like you, Gary, Ed, you know, it's just like all right, there's certain certain people that that are more uh, you know equipped to deal with what I'm doing, and they can point out you know where I'm not exactly adding up and and where I'm doing all right. So you know, the more you talk to people like that, however, that's how you advance in your craft. So you know, I, I look forward to learning more about writing, but I do know that there's levels to this, and and I'm not on the same level. So yeah, it makes sense yeah. with colors as well. Just like, yeah, yeah. hey, sometimes you just got to turn them loose and see what they come up with. 
And that obviously, like, you know, like Ed had said before, you know, like when he would send me a script and he goes, you know, I see it a way when I send it to you in my head, I see it a certain way. And when you give it back to me, I, it's there, but it's so much better and it's different, you mm-hmm. know? And so I feel like that with coloring as well, you know, and specifically with this color palette that he decided on his own, Joaquin, uh, you know, to do for this cover, it's exactly what I was looking for as far as, um, you know, in Paradise Hills, there's part of the story that's not exactly in our reality. And that color palette is actually what I'm looking for in that world. And I didn't really know how to convey that to him. And I was like, well, I like primary, like, you know, for Earth and everything, let's do these primary colors for this other dimensional thing let's do secondary colors and so what he came up with wasn't exactly what i was looking for but now i just need to show him hey this cover you did this this is it this is what Mm -hmm. i need for this this part of the story so um yeah 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 no that all makes sense that all makes sense um okay yeah that was that was cool um that's that's cool to see and you know uh you you heard the man if you haven't back the kickstarter then uh there's still a chance for you to do it right now so so get that done so the the first thing I did the, this week, I sort of everything I did this week really stems on the revisiting of the first novel. I'm going to break it up into two separate things because there's two separate aspects to talk mm-hmm. about. The first aspect is that after we stopped recording, uh when we had left off, I had had this eureka moment about the ending and that I realized the ending had to be different and Again, the more I think about it, a, a week after recording, I, I still believe it. It's it's just so goddamn logical. I can't believe I didn't see it. And and the desire to rewrite the ending, to get to this new ending. You know, you can't just jump to the ending. You got to work your way to the ending. And that's what I did. So I worked my way through the balance of the novel, and I'm proud to say that. I think it was about 140 pages worth of editing that I did. And some parts were very light. Some parts were quite heavy in terms of keeping the editing up because this ending is part of a larger edit of some stuff I wanted to add. I think we talked about it on the podcast. I want to dial in some horror a little bit more. I want to dial in a little bit of Mitchell's character. That's sorry. Mitchell is the lead in in my novel. I want to dial more of a, of the character there into the novel. So, Part one is that I'm proud to say that I cranked through, you know, 140 plus pages of editing. Again, all changes being noted in red and and feel quite good about it. Um, it's, it's amazing how the thing to talk about is it's amazing how productive you can be when you have something to look forward to and something to work forward to. That's not just the ending, right? Like it's not it's not the ending. It's that I'm looking forward to writing this ending. And look, I, random thing, but like, I'm sort of a delayed gratification kind of guy in a lot of ways. So like, let's take an, I don't know. Let's say I'm working on, on my novel for the day. And I just started. And then I get a a notification, you know, that like, oh, the comics that you bought on eBay just showed up on your front door. So I bring those comics in. I don't open them because opening them is the treat I'm going to give myself when I'm done with my work today. That is the way I tend to do 
90 to 95% of the things that I buy. I mean, I've already bought them. I've already put in the quote work. I paid the damn money. But when I get things like that, I love just holding them, holding the box, not opening the box, whatever. And my wife has commented on it. She's like, don't you want to open it? I'm like, nope, because I didn't, I didn't finish what I wanted to do today. I didn't finish the writing. And she's like, yeah, but you didn't know that was showing up until 30 minutes ago. I'm like, I don't care. Now I, now I'm giving myself just a little bit more incentive to be done for the day, you know? So having that, that out there, having that goal out there of this new revised ending that I'm excited to write, um, is great, is great. And it totally motivated me. 140 pages of editing is a ton. I should mention that I did it in three days. Oh, wow. Yeah. On average, how much are you adding per page? Is it like a paragraph, a couple of sentences? Yeah. Um, I think on the, the average is tricky there because on, on some pages. So the way it worked is some areas here, here's what I did before I got to this. So right after we recorded, I wrote out every substantial scene that was remaining in the novel. And then I put a little asterisk beside this because what I wanted to do was I wanted to see all the scenes ahead of me. And then I wanted to get a gist on which ones actually need to be looked at, which ones tie to the changes you want to make and which ones don't. And that gave me the ability to accelerate or decelerate. You know, we've talked about this idea of accelerating or decelerating in a story context, but now we're talking about it in a work context, because I know that this one scene here out of these four, this is the one that's going to tie the closest to the changes. It lends itself best to the changes I want to make. These other three scenes, other shit's going on, I don't really need to touch on it. So once I had that very high-level roadmap, it was helpful. And then what I did was, you know, a chapter a day, basically. And then I ended up getting so excited, I did, I think, two chapters. You know, I had basically five chapters to do, and I ended up doing the five chapters in three days because I was just so motivated once I started to get to it. So to answer your question directly, some pages, the majority of pages have probably zero changes. But some pages are 50, 70% different. Some pages are 10% wow. different, right? So on average, 5 to 10%. But, but that's because I'm taking these certain parts of the novel and really reworking them. And, uh, and the, the beauty of that is I can just go back and look at this and see how much red is on a given page and get a really good idea of how to do it, right? So, yeah, man, it's, it's fun. And, uh, and this is going to lead into my second thing of the week. But, uh, but let's get to your second thing, man. What, what else you got going on? I created a new logo. So as talked about on the last episode, I created a new logo for Astounding Adventures, which needed to be done quite some time ago. Well, mm -hmm. I'm prepping for this Kickstarter. I'm talking about each story in it. I have yeah. two out of the three stories. I didn't have a logo for one of those two stories, so I had to okay. create one. Um, oh. But luckily, I had a pretty good idea of what I wanted to do. And so I was able to knock that out in, I want to say, 10 minutes. Okay. It, it, it was pretty fast. So I had this idea. The character, he's like a rock character. and Like the rock or a rock mm -hmm. music? Yeah, just like a really charismatic islander. Yep. Okay. That's yeah. exactly what he is. Uh, no, so, so he's made out of a, he's made out of rock. Oh, he's and, made out of rock. Okay. See, I was over yeah. two there. Yeah, yeah. So um, I was just like, okay, how do I want? I basically wanted to create a rock textured logo. And yeah. so I was like, yeah, okay, I know how to do that, but I needed a base for it. So I found a really cool font that I thought, 
uh, was appropriate for the character. And I basically worked on top of that, just like real, I used it as a, a loose template for the shape. And I just cr created my own shapes, just created my own rock textures. And uh, it came out pretty cool. So um, that's kind of fun. That's a different part of the process. It's a different part of the creative uh, that I actually do enjoy when, when creating these Kickstarters. And I think it's just because it's a visual thing. It's just like, yeah. oh yeah. Yeah, that's really cool looking, you know, and I was really happy with the Astounding Adventures logo and definitely happy about this one, too. Yeah. So so a couple of things there. Uh, number one, I think that's one of the couple that's one of the a few areas where we do have a little bit of a Boolean intersection there, because I love that kind of shit. I love fonts. I love messing around with stuff. In fact, um, some some inside baseball stuff here that when Scott had sent over his, maybe we talked about this, I think we did actually live on the air, that you had sent over your um, Fantastic 449 uh, parody cover. And mm. and you had said, sorry, dude, I just don't have time to do all the word art, right? Like the graphics, the lettering. And I said, no problem. I got a graphics guy that I'll ask, which I did. But then in the meantime, I started playing around and uh, I looked up fonts that were true to, you know, the old Fantastic Four comics. And I found a few. And I actually put them in as mock-ups. Just weren't good enough. They just mm. weren't goddamn good enough. So when I got the stuff back from Mike Nelson, I was like, yeah, this is better. Right? So, <laughs> you know, like font, font nerdery, logo nerdery, to all the creators out there, every, pretty much, every moment you spend thinking about this, maybe obsessing about it, it's warranted. You know, maybe maybe if you spend three weeks thinking about a font, you've gone too far. But right. there are there are some you know there are some people that have spent that amount of time thinking about fonts, right? But um, so that's thing number one. Thing number two is for Astounding Adventures. I think I remember that logo. Like, what was your influence there? What was the influence in the Astounding Adventures logo? What were you trying to go for? Were you trying to maybe be in the spirit of any logos that you liked? What was going on? Spirit there? of old school logos. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly 80s. what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I grew up on, um, you know, 80s and 90s comic books, essentially. Like, my first exposure to comics was in the 80s, late 80s. And uh, I think I was like about eight, seven, seven to nine, somewhere along those lines. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's, a, that's kind of very similar to the logos that I grew up with. It's just like, okay, I was introduced to these and then in the nineties, it was still a lot of the same. It still kind of had that, um, you know, how would you describe that? It's just like a projection outward or forward and it has this trail a bit to it. And mm -hmm. I just love it. You know, it's just something I grew up with and astounding adventures is a very old sounding title. So yeah. I wanted to have that old school look to it. Hell yeah, man. Really cool. Really cool. Um, I, I, I like unpacking that kind of stuff because you, you had an idea and you executed it, which is really cool. Um, yeah, so, okay. I think yeah. I think those type of things, it really lends to whatever the book is. And I think it creates a, a whole package that where if you had someone else maybe potentially create the logo without you giving any input or at least talking it through with that person, you might get something that... I don't know, almost feels a little hollow to what you're doing. Yeah. It just feels like, oh, yeah, someone else obviously created this logo because it doesn't go together. Like, I, I really feel like the Paradise Hills logo goes with the story. Um, the, the granite logo that I just came up with, it goes with the story and the character. Like, it feels like one and the same. And same with Astounding Adventures. It's like, yeah, this is a bit old school. Like, it's old school name, so I want to give it an old school look. Yeah, 100%. You know, I... I slash we like Lance Pilgrim, 
who designed the logos for Kadoja and Three Protectors, a font junkie, a professional graphic designer by trade. You know, I say I'm like a font junkie. No, 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 no. Lance, Lance puts me, you know, like I am a chump compared to how much I think about this stuff versus him, right? So, yeah, so, yeah I mean, uh, yeah, there's levels to it. You and I know, fool be humble. It's Kendrick Lamar. Uh, so, but, but what I like is that while Lance designed the first two, I'm also very proud of the animals logo. And I'm especially proud because, you know, that was when I was working with um, artist Ed Condon on that. And uh, he was like, hey, man, I'm excited to do some logos. What do you think? And I'm like, death metal as hell. I want it to be death metal looking. And at the time, he gave me like like 17 logos or something like that. And oh, I wow. chose, you know, whatever whatever the final one was. And I just love it because, number one, I love death metal. And number two, it just – I feel like it conveys the mood of the book so well. I can't think of a better way to have the logo for animals than that. You know, so and, – and that's when you know you're comfortable with something where you're just like, I can't think of a better logo than this. You know, and hey – other people may walk by and think like, what a weird logo, but, but I love it. I love the, what it invokes and that's what logos are supposed to do, you know? So, mm-hmm. so props to that, man, that stuff can be so much fun and, and dangerously fun because you go down rabbit holes and obsess way too much over it. Yeah. There's some corporate, some corporate books that, you know, like they had like a whole line that they did. And then, so they wanted the logos to all look very similar in nature mm-hmm. and, I just don't think that type of approach is the the right approach because, you know, those characters are, you know, if it's an individual book, they're individuals. They have a different personality than, you know, the the other other character that that title logo is trying to emulate. And Mm -hmm. so it just doesn't fit the vibe of the book. And so you just have to be, I don't know, be careful with that stuff. Make sure your logo matches what you're doing on the inside. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, oh, I'm at, at risk of just doing logo geekery for the rest <laughs> of the episode, let's get to my second thing. I get back to the novel, and I, I basically get so excited for the ending, to rewrite this ending, that I work way ahead. And so I wake up, this is a couple days ago, and I'm like, okay, I'm writing the ending. So it turns out it's a really great ending in terms of, like, telling you what it is in a goddamn elevator. But but the actual logistics of how this ending works through the character, I hadn't thought through. So I'm, like, like typing, and I'm like, well, goddamn it. I'm not there yet. And and so I thought that I'd be able to write this thing because the thing about this ending is it, it 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 is going to encapsulate a lot of what came before it, of course. But I have to get there. I have to kind of build there. And there's two things that I have to balance there. I have to balance the – I have to think through it, obviously. But the two things I have to balance are the interiority of the character and the physical blocking of the scene. Right. There's two things going on. There's what's going on in their head and what is going on physically in real life. And what I got stuck on was the physical blocking because there's something I want to do. And I realized that it it wasn't working as is. And it it was the, you know, kind of theoretical, like slamming into a wall. I was like, I just got to think this through. And, and I ended up taking about a day and a half, about a day and a half. And it could have taken eight days. I don't care. I just said, hey, I got, I got nothing to really do. 
I got nothing to really think about. It's super important for me to figure this out. If there's no reason for me to write stuff, if I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So I just chilled. This was, I think on the Saturday, man, I hung out. I think I watched. Oh no, no. We had a, we had a friend's party. So that was easy, right? Went, went to a friend's party. Here's a fun fact. When you're, when you're in your fifties and you have, uh, three, three bourbon and diets, bourbon and Cokes, and you dance for a while. <laughs> you you don't wake up with regerts, but you feel sort of off all day, <laughs> right? Like I did everything right. I drank water like a good boy. We just fell off, goddammit. You know, that's how we were. And so what a perfect day for me to just veg out and watch sports and just think my way through it. And then I think I went for a walk late on Sunday after Sunday evening even. And I was like, what am I going to do? And, and for me, and I think for a lot of writers, sometimes just asking yourself a question and then doing something mindless, walking, what do you want to walk your dog? Fine. You want to go for a run? Fine. You want to, you know, I don't know, drive to the pinball arcade, whatever works for you. And uh, damn it, if it didn't come through, I was like, that's how I do it. And so it was this day and a half, almost two day break that I needed to do. I have since had life get in the way. But uh, as we record this, I'm about to go on a nice little mini vacation with my wife, and I think it's going to be great. And I'm not going to do much more than just sit around, enjoy life, and definitely get to some writing. So I don't feel that bad that I've taken a couple days um, of not doing much because life got in the way, mainly because I edited so many pages, you know, over those first three days, and then because I needed to think through stuff. So it's just, you know, just a reminder that sometimes, and, and I, you know, I told my wife this at the time, I'm like, even though it was the only thing I did today, this was on Sunday, it's the most important thing I could have done. You know, like I just, I did one thing. I, I figured out how I'm going to end this. And sometimes that's enough. Sometimes sitting around yeah. and just staring at a wall until an idea materializes or, or living your life or doing whatever, or watching the Eagles win again. Ha! Uh, all those things, right? Like it's it's great, and and it can make you really feel good uh, because you've you've solved the puzzle for now, right? And another puzzle is going to present itself two freaking days from now, right? But for now, you've solved the puzzle, and you can keep on proceeding. So, just a reminder of the value of just spacing out when you know you need to space out, answering that crucial question so that you can go forward. Yeah, I did something similar, but it did not involve thinking about much of anything. Um, oh, I guess in a way it did. Yeah, you and I had a conversation over some drinks. And, you know, after I had finished the Drawtober stuff, I was like, okay, I need to flat some pages. I need to save a little bit of dough. I need to knock these out quicker because my flatter was taking his time. And I was like, okay, uh, this stuff is done. And I know I got that Kickstarter coming up, coming up but I think I'm going to take a day. I'm going to take a day for myself. So on Sunday, I just read Savage Dragon issues. I think I read about, in total, maybe 25 issues, something like that. Like, in one sitting, it was like about 15. And then, you know, over the course of the rest of the day, I read about 10 more. And, you know, I was like, yeah, I, I just didn't feel like doing anything. I just felt like reading. And you made a great point. You're like, you're technically still working. You know, like, even though you're not physically doing anything, you're not drawing anything, 
you know, you're reading these books and you're taking in that information. And, and like, it's such a great point because, you know, over the last few episodes, I've been so jazzed about talking about the Savage Dragon and the type of story that Eric Larson has been weaving over all of these years. And it's stimulating something in my brain just for as my for my creativity. It's changing mm-hmm. the way I think about things. And so sitting there reading books, yeah, it didn't I wasn't physically doing anything, but I was using my brain to go like, oh, okay, this is a really interesting story. Why is this story interesting? What makes me so excited to read this? And you kind of just start, as a creator, you start taking it apart and trying to figure it out. And so, yeah, you're completely right. It wasn't something that I physically did, but just sitting there and taking in those books uh, was really great, and I really enjoyed the day. Yeah, hell yeah, man. I mean, that's... Just just what I said, right? Like, it all does matter. It all freaking matters. And when you consider, like, like Scott is giving a very high-level view of what turned out to be a super interesting angle to our conversation when we were talking our way through exactly that Savage Dragon stuff, right? Because then we got into, like, the types of creators we are and the way we like to sort of weave all of our ideas together, you know, and, and all kinds of good stuff. But, uh, but, yeah, man, it's – reading is working. And, and you should never feel bad about reading. And, and in the context of what Scott was saying, I also read a ton of comics over the weekend during this period where I was just like, shit, I don't, I don't feel productive. I, I know what productive looks like right now. And it looks like reading a bunch of shit, spacing out and waiting for the answer to arrive and, and doing my best to sort of force it without forcing it too hard. And so, yeah, man, I read a ton of shit. Same way. It all matters. It all goes into the compost heap and it can all pay off down the road. And uh, yeah, man. So, so great stuff. Um, was that actually your, your like final thing? No, no, no. That was actually just piggybacking off of you. And honestly, kind of forgot about that. And, and you know, the conversation, you make a good point. Yeah. Until you, until you brought it up. Uh, But my very, it's a very small thing. Um, I got original art in. So a few episodes back, I talked about receiving the image from this this cover artist that I've been working with. I've This is my second piece from him. So when Wanders of Melisanda number four comes out, there's going to be a variant cover by him, and it's freaking badass. Um, I've had it for over a year now, and he's hit me up about putting it up on his social media, and I told him to hold off until I actually release the issue. And so just time keeps on ticking into the future uh, 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 like jurassic park yeah uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so anyway you'll see that cover from him very soon and then this other cover is part of the large story arc that's going to be happening in second shift um you know originally it was going to be issue 16 but you know i i'm pretty sure that i'm going to put this this uh Drawtober issue and the next issue into the the series run because um, mm-hmm. that's just what I'm feeling, you know, just piggybacking off of what Savage Dragon's doing. It's like, yeah, yeah fuck it. it. It all could go in there. Um, so I think it'll be closer to issue 17 or 18, mm-hmm. um, which is which is A-OK. It's not a big deal. Didn't need to be like kind of like these set numbers. It was just where it was yeah. going to fall. And uh, yeah, man. So, so yeah, that, that was the thing. Getting the original cover for that or uh, uh, one of the alternate covers for that. And it's it's so fucking amazing. So it's going to be, unfortunately, at least another year before you guys see that. Because I need to do, essentially do uh, one to two to three maybe more issues before I get to that, which is yeah. crazy. 
that's an early ass tease, man. So hey, yeah, keep yeah. your eyes field in twenty twenty five, suckers. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> well, hey, I'm, I'm getting faster, so so yeah, let's hope yeah. I can uh, knock these out. And uh, yeah. it probably will still be twenty twenty five. To be honest with you, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But but okay, but but to stick on that for a second, on on a more serious note, I I know I mentioned this. I mean, many episodes ago. It's been a while since I've said this one on the air of the podcast, but one of my favorite things that on my previous podcast on uh, the vinyl exam, right, which I've talked about before in in brief context here, me and my co-host Sama, when I would call him up, we, we would just talk through stuff and we'd be like, what do you think about doing this? Or I would say, I think it started by me once saying, I was thinking about doing this. What do you think about doing it? Like, is that going to lose listeners? Like, what do you think? And his answer was our show. We do what we want. (laughs) Right. Right. And, and like, once he said that once it just became the go-to and, you know, cause sure enough, he asked me a very similar question 20, 30 weeks later. He said, well, what do you think about this? I was like, Sama, our show, we do what we want. Right. And uh, and I and I've mentioned that a little bit on this episode, too, but uh, on this podcast, too. But like same thing, man, our comic, baby, we do what we want. It is it is your way to tell stories to the world. You do whatever you want. Your story, your show. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and, uh, you've had a similar experience, too. Like there was a question of like, oh, well, I don't know that, you know, listeners like this part of it. You know, I won't go into specifics on it. And, you know, I mentioned to you, I was like. Yeah, it's our show. We do we do whatever yeah, we want. Exactly. But also, that's what timestamps are for. You know, yeah. it's just like the beginning of the episode, we talk about this. Then we talk about this. Then we talk about that. It's all in the timestamp. If you don't like right. a particular part of it, you don't have to listen to it. If you don't like, yeah. uh, you know, the bullshit, don't listen to bullshit. If you just totally. want the main subject, listen to the main subject. If you don't want yeah. to listen to our weekly shit, then don't, which would be kind of crazy because it's a large portion of what the show is. <laughs> why, why are you here? <laughs> right? I'm like, here for about 10 to uh, five to 15 minutes worth of talk on, on one So subject. really, I'm just here for the intros. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just really yeah. like that intro and outro music. Yeah, yeah, the intro music. Well, yeah, like, by the way, you could just buy that intro music, right? Like, it's a, it's a Big Pimp <laughs> Jones song. And I think... I'm a little bummed about this because I can't change the information, but the song is the intro song, by the way, is technically called get out my way. It is on Bandcamp on the big pimp Jones page. I think we did like a couple like library records and that's on one of them. What I should have released. Uh, I think it is actually, yeah, it's on Spotify. Um, but it's also on Bandcamp. And, uh, what, what bums me out is that is actually not the title of the song. The Mm. title of the song is, Get the fuck out my way, dot, 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 motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> That's the fun oh, of instrumentals. You can just call them whatever the hell you want, right? Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, before, we, before we get to my final thing, and, and I have a small final thing, but I think it's important to talk about. I just got some pages back from the Three Protectors artist, and that's the way it works, right? I'll get thumbnails quickly. And then the finished pages slowly, like they're all thumbnails. I'll get, you know, I'll, I'll pay the upfront payment. Three days later, I get thumbnails and I have to confirm like firming them up. How do we look here? Right. And then at that point he goes into maybe pencils and then I get one more like yay or nay. And then after that, I just don't hear from him from weeks at a time. Then I get the final. So I get the finals this time and it, it wasn't toned. And I just sent a thing like, hey, these look really – he said, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. I forgot to send these. I just realized I didn't send them. But here's – you know, I did the cleanup, so here they are. There were no tones. There were no gray tones. 
And I, I was like, oh, okay, cool. So are we waiting for the tones on this? I'm not sure they're final. And I'm trying to be as nice and respectful as possible. Right. So then I get Very, the email. Uh, managerial in, in the approach to that. Yeah, yeah. So then I get the uh, you know the the response this morning. He's like, "Oh, yeah, that's right." I so I just I couldn't I, I delivered those to you, thinking that that we hadn't agreed on tones. But I went back and looked at our arrangement, and that was part of the arrangement. So I'll tone these and get them to you, you know, whenever I can. So nice. just just a reminder, you know, to all you people out there, all you writers out there that are working with artists or all you artists like Scott that might be working with other artists for covers, for variants, for whatever, like, don't, don't be afraid, you know, like it's good to speak up. It's good to, to be clear about your stuff in advance. And I know it's sort of boring, kind of the, the blocking and tackling fundamentals, but they pay off, they matter. And, uh, and they make conversations a lot easier down the road. Yeah, totally. And to have it in writing, you know, like when you are clear about these types of things and it is discussed in in your guys's conversation via email, it's all written down. So he was able to go, oh, no, you know what? You're right. I, I check the email and, and this is what we're doing. So, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Good on you for having that in writing and good for him just being cool about it. Good for him uh, for know. being he, – he's a pros pro. I've, we've talked mm-hmm. about this before. He's just – he's been doing this for a decade, decade and a half. He knows what he's doing. So that that's the best – one of the best parts of working with him other than just the quality of the product, right? So yeah. all right. Well – And it's a good note for you writers out there talking to your artists, you know, the way Keith – Keith did it. It was very professional, very easygoing, not harsh. You know, you don't want to get this like uh, gut reaction, like, well, he didn't do this. And then you mm-hmm. can come at people sideways and, and, you know, people don't like that. So, uh, you know, you just got to make sure the way you're wording stuff when you're talking to people and, and just, hey, be friendly. You know, the yep. friendlier the interactions, the better things will go for everybody. And you got to keep working with that person, you know, and if you're a dick, then maybe they don't want to work with you anymore. Absolutely. And, and Vice versa. I, I, I sort of I sort of co-opted some of the ideas in this, but this is pretty much my quote and one of my philosophies of life, which is 90% of everything is tone. You know, this this goes to one of my favorite quotes ever, which is by Winston Churchill, which have we talked about this on the podcast or not? Maybe. Diplomacy is telling people to go to hell in such a way that they ask you for directions. <laughs> I don't think we have talked about that. That one's a great one. Uh, arguably my favorite quote of all time, right? So, so there's your quote for the episode. We didn't even there you go. One. We, we did it. We dropped it right now. And and now it's time for the moment that we've all been waiting for. <laughs> let's get to it. Let's let's start with this amazing letter. I'm going to read most of it from our our new friend, Jeff, who just dropped this in our inbox a couple weeks ago. We haven't had a chance to get to it yet, but gosh darn it. I'm going to read a lot of it right now. So... Let's get it. Oh, man, prepare yourself for a long one. And out of consideration for your time, know there is a too long didn't read at the end if my meanderings become too much. Four months ago, I found this podcast and began listening from episode zero. And today I finally caught up with the latest episode. In a poetic twist of fate, I also completed the inks slash digital finishing on the last page of art on my comic that has been stalled out for the last, sorry, for the past 10 plus years. Honestly, at the start of this year, I was damn near a walking masterclass in the art of putting up barriers to to moving my comic, Tales of the Mariner, forward that I am the writer, inker, finisher, letterer on. Man, that's that's a lot of slashes. That's a four slash right there. I've been sitting on completed pencils from my dear friend for years, and I got to a place where instead of working on the comic when I had time between work, marriage, parenting, I would work on removing fictitious barriers. 
end of last year, it got to a point that I really had no barriers left. Dedicated office for working from art, for working on art, check. All the physical and digital tools you could possibly need, check. Children more at a manageable age, check. Good job with the great work-life balance, check. I finally got real with myself at the start of the year and asked, what, and asked, do I really want this? The answer is yes. Okay, well then what's really standing in my way? What is different now than when I was last very productive a decade ago? I couldn't figure it out, but thankfully I did start getting back to it more. Not enough though. I turned to podcasts on comic creation to see if there was something that there could, if there, if, if there was something there, sorry guys, 8.0% man. If there was something there that could light more of a fire in me, there are some good ones out there that offer some great info on the comic process and bless them all for what they do. Ultimately, I wasn't feeling them, but then I tried a more recent episode of the five-star experience you all offer. Hey, you're goddamn right, by the way. Five stars. You can do it right now. We're not done with this letter yet. Just look for the timestamp for when we get started on the topic. A couple of upstanding guys who have as many barriers as me out here just killing it and creating. As if that wasn't enough, they talk beer. I'm a home brewer and part owner of, a, of an urban hop farm collective in Minneapolis. Hey, That's by awesome. the way, super cool. And basketball. I have been a massive Timberwolves fan for years. My apologies to D'Lo and Butler for you both. Now, edit, editorial aside, what do you? I, I asked. I asked, why are you apologizing for Jimmy Butler? That was our best year. <laughs> and I told him uh, uh, I actually love D'Lo. Uh, he was yeah. a homegrown talent, so you know we we drafted him. So I have yeah. a soft place, and he's a. I'm not going to say he's a knucklehead. He's not a knucklehead, but like a little, but like a little bit of one. Like he's yeah. not he's not as bad as like Nick Young or anything like that. But he's got a little bit of that in him. So here we go. I obviously had found my pod. So I went back to the beginning and started cranking through one to three episodes a day. Almost instantly, I was back at working on the comic daily, and it was a clear priority for me again. For the first month, I couldn't really put my finger on why this pod got the, uh, got the best out of me, but I didn't much care as I was back where I needed to be. Eventually, it hit me what this pod of yours was giving me, friendly competition and camaraderie. The very things that I was missing now that I had a decade ago with a good group of close friends. Back then, we would meet weekly to talk comics and what we had done recently on our own works. But sadly, the group grew apart during my decade of languishing and zero progress. Understandably, they didn't engage me much later on when I talked of getting back at the comic. Now, though, with this pod, I was passively having those conversations again, and I was annoyingly hearing one to three times a day what you two were getting done in a week, which would piss me off slash push me to do more. Nice. So, so here we are, 153 episodes and four months later. My 24-page black-and-white comic is completely inked, traditional, and zip-toned, digital. 75% lettered, has a logo designed, drew slash finished my own back cover, figured out how to, how to best do the business slash taxes side, parentheses, which, guys, you really need to do a boring episode on, on, uh, on incorporation options and taxes. We're going to come back to that in a second. Because we're here. Uh, and then he mentions Kickstarter date set for 2024, new comic in the works, etc. He mentions that he'll set, be sending us both physical copies um, of the comic when the time comes. It's not nearly enough, but that's his thank you to us. And then awesome. cheers the next time we're in Minnesota, hit him up. The first round is on him, and that is Jeff. So, hell yeah, Jeff. Um, Thanks, Jeff. Timber? That was a great letter, man. Really, that was really a great letter. I'm glad you uh, finally found your pod. I, I'm glad that we're the guys that it was, uh, the pod that it is. So, um, 
you know, like you said, there's there's many a podcast out there that is yeah. about comic books and, and creating them. And so, hey, I'm glad we're the one that you picked. So yeah, to quote to quote Ralph Wiggum, you choo choo chose us. <laughs> did you ever you know, see that episode? That was great. I did. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Let's be friends. <laughs> I have I have similar experiences that uh, uh, that Jeff had, but and it wasn't me though. Unfortunately, I wasn't Jeff in the scenario. I have a few friends that I've known for years that are fantastic artists and always talk about creating comics, but never do. And it's frustrating, you know. And like I can see how, unfortunately, those groups you know start to separate and start to fade when. Uh, you know, if someone isn't producing and saying they are, it's like after a while, you just kind of go, well, you're just not going to do this then. You know, it's mm -hmm. like we've talked about it for years. You know, I mentioned on the pod, um, I've got a buddy I've known for seven years. He's got one comic out, you know, and, and for me, it's frustrating because he's such a good artist. It's just like, dude, you need to get off your ass. And like, like, you know, as far as I knew, he was being an artist full time. That was his job. But he wasn't putting the books out, and it was just so frustrating to me. And, um, you know, it, everyone has their own challenges. And, Jeff, it sounded like you had a ton, you know. It's just like you have kids, you have this, you have that, and then, you know, finally get the work-life balance. That's a huge one. When you have a job that doesn't really allow you to balance out anything else, you know, it's like you're stuck there for X amount of hours. But, you know, when you get those those positions or those, those schedules where you get a telecommute potentially – you know, it makes all the difference in the world. So glad it all balanced out for you. I'm glad we're the pod and also glad you were, it sounds like you're essentially 90% done there on, on the comic. You know, you got the black and white, you got the covers, you got the, uh, the traditional inks and then the digital zipatones. Um, that's great. So really looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, that that's great. Get that Kickstarter started and, you know, spread the word, tell everyone, Anyone, any, anyone and everyone willing to listen about it, uh, make sure you tell them. For the first Kickstarter, it doesn't hurt to mention it to your friends and your family. Um, you know, some of them will support you just because, and, like, that's super cool. And, uh, you know, it's not a bad place to start. And then, you know, moving forward, then you can obviously just hopefully you reach enough people that really enjoy the book and just want to continue reading it. And then that way you can just kind of focus on comic related people or, uh, you know, whoever's on your social media and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, great way of putting that. I mean, friends and family are here to, they're here to kind of push you out of port, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're here yeah. to, they're here to push that boat out and let it start sailing. And then it's really on you to, to sail that bad boy on your own, right. Or bad mm -hmm. girl. Like uh, people give boats, female names and like, she's a seaboard vessel. I don't know. I'm making up words. She, she's a sturdy gal. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That'd be cool if it was reversed, though. He's a sturdy boy. This one. <laughs> hey, yeah. whatever floats your boat. Yeah, totally. Hey, but literally. Important. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, but guess what? We're not letting you sons of bitches off. Uh, get ready. Get ready, suckers. We're going to talk about incorporation or business options. Then we're going to talk a little bit about taxes. Okay. So I'm going to get this going. And, and how about Scott? I think it's fair. We're not because this is a five star motherfucking experience. We're gonna. I'm gonna editorialize as I go here. Okay. Okay. Because I think that's important. So, in terms of, so you are an artist and you are putting out stuff, and like maybe this is the first time you're ever actually ever actually making a sale. Okay. So you're gonna need to change the way you think about your goddamn taxes. 
the good news is the first way you do it is what is called a sole proprietorship. Okay. So what is a sole proprietorship? It is, it is nothing more than filing. I'm not going to name all these forms. Okay. That's on you. But being a sole proprietorship is essentially just living your life, doing your normal stuff, and then filing one little bit of paperwork at the end. And, and every first off, I mean, I, I don't know that this needs to be said, mm-hmm. but we are not lawyers. We are not tax yeah. attorneys. Yeah. So we're, we're two dudes who have had eight plus ABV beers over the last hour. Right. 11% for me. Um, I'm, you know, Keith's going to say what he says. That's and I'm the gonna plus, tell you, sucker. <laughs> that's, uh, I'm going to tell you what I do after Keith goes on about this, uh, for a bit. Yeah. And yeah. then I'll tell you exactly how I file my taxes. Artists, please do not turn this off. You need this too. I have too many artist friends who do not claim art related shit. Yeah. And honestly, you guys are missing the fucking boat. You're missing yeah. money. Right. And it's dumb. Like, don't be yeah. dumb about this. All right. Go yep. ahead, Keith. Absolutely. Don't, don't be, Hey, don't be too cool for school. You know, this goes back to that, uh, Sean Gordon Murphy podcast that you hit me to the one time where he was like, people always ask me this stuff about business and then I tell them and then they glaze out, you know? So, so that's what this is. But yeah, so let me, let me start from the top. You're going to have a few options in terms of what business type you want to be. It's going to be a sole proprietorship an LLC or something that's called a C corp or an S corp. I'm going to make this very easy for you. You want to be a sole proprietorship for a while until you think that you have outgrown it. Because a sole proprietorship is just that. You are a one-person business. You, you make stuff, you sell it, and you make money for it. And then you, you get to slash have to file some taxes and file some paperwork that goes into that. That's it at its simplest, Okay. The, the more successful you get and the more progress you make, that's why, that is what is going to guide you to move up sort of the, the complexity chain, let's just call it. Okay, so, so a sole proprietorship, the paperwork's easy. You just file one thing. It's called a Schedule C. I said I wasn't going to name forms, but at this point, we might as well name them. And then you, you go <laughs> yes, through. You know. Yeah, you, you, you go through what you sold what you spent, right? And, and let's, let's, Scott's going to get a little bit more into the, into some fun stuff you can do there. But basically if you pay for a, if you pay for a, like a table at a convention, you deduct that you fly somewhere, you deduct it. Like all your standard business expenses are now something that you can put on your taxes. And then you claim all the stuff that you sold. So let's say you, you know, you, you're not comfortable being a sole proprietorship and you want to move to the next step, which is a, an LLC, a limited liability corporation. So this is where I'm going to editorialize a little bit. What, what gets some people to move to LLCs is this idea of limited liability. And, and what the, the way you will get scared on this is that people will say like, well, let's say you're at a trade show. And your banner falls over on somebody and they decide they're going to sue you. If you're a sole proprietorship, they could take you for everything you have. Okay. I'm going to leave that assessment of risk to you, right? 
historically, you know, you can ask yourself how many times a banner has fallen over on someone and someone has decided to sue. I mean, God knows America's too damn litigious, you know, because um, we have we have a fair amount of international listeners at this point, And I know they're nodding right now. Like, boy, do we love litigious shit in the United <laughs> States. Right. But people just love like, you know, basically having like someone else's fart hit them the wrong way. And they're like, I'm going to sue, <laughs> you know, like you farted and I was downwind, you know, like that kind of thing thing right so yeah, it is is a uh, number one is is invader a uh, llc you beat me to it invader is an llc right and okay. and i think and then, that's a okay that's a, that's a great way of talking about the level of complexity we're at keith the comic writer was a sole proprietorship for a very long time invader is co-owned by three people so forming an llc makes the most sense Right. That makes and, taxes more complex, right? But it's it's something we feel we need to do because and what what what's nice about an LLC is it's a legal entity separate from you as a human being. So that's going to limit the like money you lose, you know, any risk gets mitigated in terms of this fictitious banner that might fall over on someone, this fictitious comic you do that offends someone that makes them want to sue even though that stuff never happens, you know, those kind of things, right? Go ahead. You look like you had a couple points there. Uh, that was the question. So if you are an LLC and you get sued and, and let's say they win, they're essentially just taking the company for what the company has. Mm -hmm. And so if there's a limited amount of things that the company owns, they don't get much. And you as an individual, Keith Foster, aren't being sued for what you have. Maybe you, right. you, you own a home in the mountains and they're trying to take that. It's like, no, no, no. Right. You're, you're suing the company. You're not suing me. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and look, there, you know, I, I do think the courts have gotten a little bit better about throwing out just these completely nonsensical lawsuits where people are transparent in what they're trying to do, right? But in terms of what you're doing, you know, an LLC is what makes sense for Invader because three of us co-own it and, and we are all here to run a business, right? So, you know, we're, we're not going to stop there. We're going to go a little bit further into the things that are called C-corporations and S-corporations, but odds are, if you're an indie creator, you're not there yet. And C corporations are what you think of when you think of corporations. They issue all kinds of stock. You know, they have a shit ton of paperwork to do. They can sell shares. They can do all kinds of things. An okay. S corporation is is different from a C corporation in terms of some things that I don't really think are important to the kind of people that make comics. But they're out there, right? So in your case – Listener, dear listener, you're going to be choosing between a sole proprietorship and an LLC. I think complexity dictates that and or some other factors. But you just know that in a lot of cases, an LLC is still a substantial amount of more paperwork and more expense than a sole proprietorship, especially if you live in certain states like California, right, where, yeah. where incorporation is much more expensive than any other state in the country. And so speaking for more than likely Jeff here, you know, you're, you're finishing your first book. I am a sole proprietor of my business, small business, right? Um, so my tax person, essentially, here's what you're going to do. You're going to talk to the person that files your taxes. You're going to let them know, hey, I run a small business. I do this. I create comic books. I write comics, whatever, right? Or whatever you're doing. There, therefore, you can talk, and Keith mentioned this a little bit, you can write off damn near everything that has mm -hmm. to do with comics. Did you buy a Blu-ray? You can write that off. 
Do you watch Hulu and Netflix because there's comic-related shows on it? You can write that off. You can write off mileage. So if you're driving to a show, uh, you can write that off. If you're going to meet someone for dinner and you just so hop- happen to talk about comic books, you can write that off. Every mm-hmm. time to you go you, you go to your local comic shop, that counts. Every time you buy comics, that counts. You know, yep. a- anything. You like collecting figures and statues and shit? There you go. All written off. You can write all that stuff off. And Keith talked about the shows already. Mm-hmm. So make sure you're doing that. Uh, those definitely count. And then make sure every cell that you have digitally, you are logging. You are logging all your digitally related sales. When I say that, I mean credit card. If you're if you're doing credit card, you're doing PayPal, you're doing Venmo, you need to write that off because it is tracked. Yeah, exactly. And And like, so let's say you like to watch porn. Well, that's actually on you, okay? Like, like that's on you. Like, we're we're look, we're just checking to make sure you're still here, okay? But get it under control. We're talking about yeah, comics here. Yeah, exactly. Like, get your mind out of the gutter, okay? <laughs> like, and just we we're just checking to see if you're listening, okay? So, um, but yeah, I I think what Scott says there is important, and let's just go down a little mini rabbit hole on this, right? Because we know the way that this business stuff works, and that people hear echoes of echoes. And then they start to get spooked. Everything Scott talked about is is super true. The kind of echoes of echoes that people sometimes hear is, well, if you do that, does that mean you're still a business? Don't you get classified as a hobby, right? Because that's that's what you'll hear. Like, well, if you... You know, if you don't show a profit two years mm-hmm. out of every five, you're going to get classified as a hobby. Well, that's, that's true and it's not, right? The key here is intent. Like, if you are not putting out books and, and like, don't have a lot of the signifiers of someone who is actually trying to make money, because what matters is trying to make money, then that might get classified as a hobby. But as, as long as you are making a, re, you know, a good, solid attempt to make money, because like that's what Scott and I are doing. We're trying to make money here. Things like a website, going to shows, right? Like tabling at shows, getting out there in the world. You know, like I can't stress how important having a website is for a lot of this, right? Like you need to make it very clear that you are here to make money and what you are not here to do is just slap a website up and that then have it be like, well, now I can buy all my books and watch Netflix and get tax deductions out of it. Right. So, so that's, you know, that's just something I wanted to mention there that, that you don't necessarily have to show a profit X years out of five. What matters is intent, right? And what matters is the kind of stuff you are doing to try to drive yourself toward future profits. When in doubt, Scott and I both have accountants if you've had a professional accountant, a licensed accountant, do your taxes. You just get the straight dope from them as well. Totally. Like, talk to them about stuff that, like, car repair, stuff like that, because you're traveling to shows. That all counts as well, um, mm-hmm. you know, when you're shipping it stuff can. out. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, exactly. so, yeah, and, and it's important when you're doing that, you are tracking the mileage. Like, I track the mileage from my home to my local comic shop every single time. Yeah, I'm I'm going to get a bit of that gas back every time I travel to the show. I mean, shit, driving from San Diego to L.A. to, to Phoenix and, and Las Vegas, like, hey, 
that ain't too shabby when you're going to get that back. You know what I mean? Yep. So absolutely. if you talk to your tax preparer, they are going to give you the information that you absolutely need. You know, if we've stirred you astray on any point here, which I don't think we have, because I'm basically following the rules of which I've filed my art taxes for the last uh, 10, 10 to 12 years, mm-hmm. you know, so... Uh, it's something that you guys need to do. It is very important. Um, and also, Jeff, you talked about doing Kickstarters. You have to put that down as well. So yeah. you're, you know, Kickstarter specifically is a crowdfunding site where you are, uh, people are donating, quote unquote, donating to your book. They're not buying your book. They are donating to your book and you're giving them a reward for donating to your book. Now, that is the technical aspect of it, but you still have to put that in your your spreadsheet. You know, you have to log that. You have to uh, give that information over. So um, make sure you're doing that, Jeff, especially if you're going to run that Kickstarter. You're making money, so you have to report it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And hey, fun observation here. This is the one time, this is the one episode. This is a very special episode of Blossom, Scott Lost. Because this is the one time where we're going to tell you the rules totally matter, right? Yes. The rules, boy, 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 howdy, do the rules matter on this one, right? So when it comes to creativity, hey, fuck those rules. But when it comes to your taxes, no, 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 no. The rules are, we call them tax codes and they're laws. Yeah. So you need to follow them, right? That's what we're saying. The same free form. Yeah, it's a free form playboy. This ain't this ain't jazz. Uh, so okay, I think we did it. We did it. The we did it. The the least oh, lastly, lesson: iPads, yeah. MacBooks, any kind of computers, digital equipment, microphone for your podcast that where you talk about comic books. Yeah, write all that shit off. Yeah, yeah, and you know you know what I've heard uh, I've heard Scott is that the people out there in the SG thirty three thirty eight asteroid. Mm-hmm. Big lovers of tax code podcasts. That's what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. So I don't so, really like, talk to that. I, I don't interact with that group that much because they well, are very boring. Well, I mean, but, but that's like, great information. What What I love is communicating with them telepathically, and the probing. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the probing. <laughs> right? That's like, without saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, duh. Yeah. Okay. So we did it. We we uh, that serves as a great segue into bringing the bullshit. Should we? I mean, we've pretty much recapped our hangout the other day, right? Like, oh, well, maybe we we just so start off bringing the bullshit. We do mention that we hung out the other day. Um, we did the usual society thing. I, I have two things that I'd like to bring up there. So, well, actually, three. Number one is. Um, I got a couple issues of Batman Adventures, which is sort of spoiling. There's a reason for that, but there's another bit of bringing the bullshit that I'll get to. So I didn't, I didn't buy that much because you know we were just there like a week and a half ago or something like that after I think the Battle Swap meet. Um, but but a couple fun facts. So fun fact number one: we're at Society, and we had both gotten one Madam, and and we go back in, and then like I, I think you know you start to get into that. But what else do you have? Mode. And so Scott asks uh, the bartender for like 35 samples. No, I'm kidding. It was mm-hmm. like three, but it was like three. You're like, can you give me three samples? You know, like how many can you give me? And there so was she a hesitation me, there. There was a hesitation. It. it was awkward and I loved it, but she did yeah. it. Yeah, it was great. It was, it was just great. a question. It, it would have been easy for her to say no. She's like, nah, I could give you one or two. Oh, that's cool. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no sweat off my sack. You know, you, you, you give me what you can give me. If you can yeah. give me three, you can give me three. If you can she only was give, like, me she two, was like, give me two, Yeah, she was like profiling you. She was like sizing yeah. you up, right? So yeah, anyway, yeah. so so you tried all these. They had uh, their their seasonal shit was all pretty much IPA slash hoppy stuff. Right. So you tried yeah. all those things and like you got all the samples and I said, you know what? I just want another madam. That's really all I want. So you, you go through the samples and you're like, oh, that's pretty good. Oh, that's pretty good. Oh, that's pretty good. I'm just going to take another madam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So, so yeah. I said <laughs> they might have been good. I said you can't I was like, look, these these were good, but it's just not better than the madam. No. It's just not. Exactly. Their their madam is the I mean, I, I did uh, I did try a taster of whatever that other one was, which was sort of a uh, 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 it was like the cross. pupil or the pupil, the yeah, apprentice maybe. or something. Yeah, I think like the that. pupil. I think the pupil. Okay. But and and I just I sort of forgot to buy a six of it mainly because my fridge is so full of beer. So maybe at some point my fridge might be lean and the pupil I can get a six pack of that. So that was thing number one. Thing number two was because we had just done the whole SoCal Comics Society Lolita's Burrito, we switched it up a little bit, and uh, and you were like, oh, I know all these restaurants, and you were like, unless that doesn't interest you, and I'm like, I'm kind of feeling pizza. So then we looked up uh, some pizza joints, and we found this one, and it was Mom some and Don's. Mom and Don's Pizza. It was strong, right? And I think it's almost like across the street from Lolita's, across um, Claremont yeah. Pizza, right? Like yeah. it's way up there. Mm-hmm. Freaking good, man. Like really good, solid pizza. And uh, so, yeah, those are the two things I wanted to mention about our little excursion. You know, I forgot to bring it up to you because I was looking at the menu prices. I was like, yeah, maybe I just get a slice. The slice was like eight sixty five, right? I noticed and that then, too. And then the sixteen the sixteen inch pizza was sixteen bucks. I'm like, that's two fucking slices. Maybe we just get a whole pizza instead of these two fucking slices. Which we I did. noticed that too. I noticed that too. I was I was like, is this right? Like, what the hell is going it on? Didn't seem you know, right. So yeah, you know. it's, I, I like live near a New York Giant pizza where they have a deal. It's two New York Giant slices in a soda. For nine bucks. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, same. I didn't. I didn't pick anything up actually at at, at uh, SoCal Comics, but I did throw a couple of dollar books into my my pull list because mm-hmm. um, it was E Man. They had like issue one and six or something like that. But I didn't have any cash on me, so I was like, you know what? I'm not going to charge two dollars right now. But mm-hmm. I'm coming back this week anyway in a couple of days, so um, I'll just grab those. Grab those yeah. in a couple. Hell yeah. yeah! Hell yeah! So oh, and then with your with you coming into town, you gave me another another thing, which was a, a Hellboy drawn Mike Mignola omnibus number two, yeah. yep. and so that was awesome. You had a double of it, and I am in the process of studying some Mike Mignola right now for a project coming up yeah. at the beginning of uh, 2024. So I was just like, fuck yeah. So I was able to do that. And in the meantime, I was able to finally pull together some runs of some shit, like my doubles, and to see if you had any interest, just because we had a bit of a barter, for, you know, like Batman the Animated Series for, you know, whatever books. And so, yeah, I'm glad I, I came up with some stuff for you. It was basically a, a nice, good, solid spawn run and oh, yeah. a three-issue miniseries of Violator, uh, written yeah. by Alan Moore, drawn by Bart Sears and Greg Capullo. So yeah. not, not yeah. bad. Yeah, we're we're basically like just destroying the cartoonist. We're we're actually, you know, the interesting thing about the cartoonist kayfabe page is it really has sort of evolved slash de-evolved into a buyer seller page as opposed mm. to a swap page. Um, I actually yeah. listed my first batch of comics. Nobody gave a shit, you know. So same, yeah, I yeah. did the same uh, yesterday. I just listed a bunch of shit. I, I saw ended up that. selling like four books. 
Um, but a guy just wanted like four. I had like <laughs> like ten ultraverse books that I was just like, please get these out of my house. Like, you know, you could take them all for. I think it was like seven dollars. And he yeah. goes, well, I just need four of them. And I'm like, four dollars. And he's like, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I was like, exactly. Three, three dollars more. You can have the rest of this shit that I don't want in my house, please. Totally, totally, totally. But yeah, he doesn't want it in in his house either, right? So I mean, I get so, it. Yeah. I'm surprised he's collecting Ultraverse. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, don't you 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 do know you can just go down to your local shop and get pretty much every issue, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Like they all got them. They all got them. Unless um, they all just threw them in the trash. You know what I mean? <laughs> possibly, possibly. So. You know. Uh, all right. So the the other bit of bullshit is that uh, I I mentioned that I bought two issues of Batman Adventures at SoCal Comics, and that's because was I was that up this getting... weekend that you did that, or this Monday that you did that. Yeah, yeah. That was just yeah. Oh was shit. Just... Was there any other ones? I bought. Well, there there were, but like the prices are not mm, commendable. I would say um, what I got was Batman Adventures 30 and 36, which are, are the prices still on here? They were like four bucks a pop. Yeah. Oh, I thought you Batman, said you got them out of the dollar bin. So no, okay. no, 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 no. Those are not in the dollar bin. But Batman Adventures oh, okay. 30 was three bucks and Batman Adventures 36 was three bucks. So oh, yeah. but but even better is I pretty much got I'm just going to hold them up here. I nice. got. Uh, I, I, I mentioned last week that I I've been eyeing sort of a lot, and the lot was seventeen through twenty nine in full. Um, and what that means is I may even have another double or two for you, uh, depending on how I've I've been piecemealing it. So I think I'm down to like six issues, something like that. Um, oh wow! Looks like thirty. Well, um, obviously I'm missing twelve because that's the expensive one. But now I'm missing thirty one through thirty five. So twelve, thirty one through thirty five, and then I'll read these. I'll. I mean, I'm loving them. They're they're just such a great. Uh, what I find is that every evening I can just unwind with two of these comics. So that was the little bit of bullshit there that I'm getting close to to Batman Adventures. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just to to the end of Batman Adventures, and it's great. Um, what else you got? You got you got any other bullshit you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I got one thing. Um, well, I have two things. Uh, one comic related. I ended up picking up Michelangelo, the micro series, which is essentially a one shot, uh, back from the 80s. So uh, Eastman and Laird had did four one shots, Raphael, Michelangelo, Dante, Leonardo. And I recently saw it somewhere. I don't I don't even know where I saw it. I think I might have been even in that that Facebook swap site. And I was like, ah, fuck, I kind of missed out on that. Someone jumped on that way before I could get it. And I was like, you know what? Michelangelo is my favorite turtle. I collect Ninja Turtle stuff. I don't have those. Why don't I have those? I can get those at a really reasonable price. You know, the first time I saw those was when I started recollecting that series. Mm-hmm. And they were very inexpensive. It was like 5 bucks, like under $10 for Leonardo, Michelangelo, and Donatello. Raphael has a first appearance of Casey Jones. So that one goes for a very pretty penny. And for whatever reason, I didn't pick them up. I always thought, eh, they're really cheap. They'll probably be cheap forever. So, you know, it's been 40 years. So more more than likely, or 35 years, more than likely, it's still going to be very cheap. No, they've gone up in price. However, mm-hmm. I did my, manage to find the one auction where a guy was selling the Michelangelo issue for, I think it was like $20 or best offer. Mm-hmm. which was a great price because I think everything else was 25 and above and he was 20 or, or OBO got it to 1650. You know, I, I asked for 15. 
He said 17 and a quarter. I said, meet in the middle, 1650, and boom, we got a sale. And so that was a great price. I was like, that's very reasonable, a very acceptable price to me. And uh, he's my favorite turtle. So I got that in the mail the other day and really happy with the purchase. The comic looks pretty good. It doesn't, it's not too dinged up or anything like that. So another one for the collection. That's nice, man. Very cool. Very cool. Um, I don't think I have any other bullshit to talk through, man. I think it's pretty pretty light other than that. All right. My, my last bullshit is, man, the Lakers are not fun to watch right now. <laughs> I Okay, so look, I purposely they didn't are not bring fun. that up. I purposely didn't bring that up. The Sixers are... We are we are freshly divorced and happy, <laughs> dude. <we're, laughs> we are. We, I heard you, Kelly you, Oubre is having a fantastic season, dude. He's he's having a fantastic season. It all works. The ball's like moving around. We're the team has a ton of energy, and this like the the cons- here's the funny thing, right? The consensus was like, oh, the Sixers didn't get what they wanted from the Harden trade, right? And it's like, well. The Clippers are like a slog with Harden now, and maybe they can win, but they're still going to be a slog. And the Sixers, the Sixers have basically have basically become a fusion of last year's Sixers, Nick Nurse's Toronto Raptors, because he's the head coach of the Sixers now, and like the Clippers players that just came over. So there's just a ton of perimeter defense, a ton of threes, a ton of like driving and cutting, a shit ton of ball movement, and all of it circles around last year's MVP. You know, like yeah. it's, I mean, I, I have no Addition idea. Addition by subtraction. Dude, totally. We're like, sometimes it matters to have a good team instead of just having the best four players. Right. Yes. And, uh, and I mean, the, the evidence in that, I think Booker was playing when the Suns came into town. I hope I can't remember, but you know, we beat the hell out of the Suns, you know? And it's like, just a couple, a couple great players does not make a team. And uh, right. look, we we may not go that far. I think I think as we're recording this, we're playing Boston today or tomorrow. So you know we'll probably get a little bit of reckoning there. But whatever, you know, like yeah. it's fine. Like we're no, you it's I, honestly, you guys getting Kelly Oubre when you got him because he's been on. I think he's been on four teams in four years. Something mm-hmm. like that. I think every year he gets traded. Might have been yeah. five teams in four years yeah. because there was a season where he was with the. He got picked up by the Warriors and they ended up trading him mid season or some shit like that. Get the fuck which, out, Kelly. Which yeah, sucks exactly. because he came from the Suns. And then when the Warriors got him, I'm like, oh, fuck. I love Kelly Oubre. Every time we play him, he lights us up. He's yeah. really young, tall, athletic, like all this shit he can shoot, right? And um, so he goes to the Warriors. He basically flushes out of there and i was like oh shit and then he ends up jumping team jumping team jumping team so if this if he actually has a really productive time with the sixers you guys might have gotten yourself a nice young talent on the cheap i'd imagine you guys got him from the league minimum league minimum feels like it yeah yeah because no one was picking him up because he's knucklehead you know, yeah. it was just like, it was like Nick Young, you know, and JaVale yeah. McGee. It's like, oh, you guys can play, but you guys are idiots. Like, you guys yeah. always fuck up. You're always doing something you're not supposed to. Totally. And hopefully that was kind of an eye-opener for him. And you essentially got a young stud at a cheap price. And, and hopefully he'll stick with you because he's having, you know, a great season there. Yeah, he's he's being given space, I think. I think that's also why Westbrook's doing well in the Clippers, right? Like, whether it's true or not, when the player feels like they're being given space and they feel, and they're getting they feel like they're getting a little more empowered, it works for them, right? Like, yeah. I mean, in, in Russ's case, he's like he's got to you got to give him a long leash so he can just do crazy rush shit, and the Clippers have done that 
which has worked well so far. We'll see how it works with Harden there. But but yeah, with the yeah. Sixers, it's like I think, you know, the, the thing is we need this for the Sixers to be good. Oubre sort of needs to be good. Right. Because we don't have a true number two. We've got like Maxi's like a two and a half. Tobias is a perfect, perfectly cast three. And if you can get Oubre to be like some sort of comparison to Tobias Harris, then all of a sudden you just have this really interesting starting five, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, I man, think he could be, I think he could be better than Tobias, honestly, like could. the shit I've seen from him. I was like, and that's why I liked him. I was like, there's a lot of potential here. It's yeah. just a matter of kind of reining him in and, and, you yeah. know, making sure he's staying focused. And yeah. I think if you're, I think if you're in Philly, you don't have the nightlife that you have potentially in some other places. And so maybe it's making him focus on actual basketball, which is yeah. a good thing for certain there's, players, that's for sure. There's a nice microbrewery arcade in Fishtown. <laughs> there it is. That's, that's the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so sorry. Yeah, so back, back to the Lakers being unwatchable. Oh, yeah, we didn't need to talk more about that. It's just, that's it. <laughs> I'm They're just making a statement. I'll, I'll give it more of a fair assessment when we get Rui Hachimura and Vanderbilt back. And yeah. those were two, two really big pieces for us last season, in the second half of the season. And, um, you know, Rui was playing terrible. The, he only played two games, like one and a half. He got poked in the eye. and uh, But the two games he played, he wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. Those same two games, Austin Reeves wasn't very good either, and he was not good for another game and game, game and a half. He's yeah. finally going back to form. He's looking like his old self, which is a great thing. So I think once we get Vanderbilt and Rui back, um, and Rui playing to form, then I can give it more of an assessment. But I think a lot of the weight is falling on some of these new guys, and they're not necessarily ready for it. And, you know, maybe not exactly that comfortable with the system and and everyone's still kind of learning to play with each other. So that's the hope. And so we'll see how it goes moving forward. But it is a fucking slog to watch these guys. It's like I'm stressed out the the entire time. It's not fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the problem, too, is that you you don't have if the Sixers don't win a game for a week. We'll figure it out. Right. Like there's a, there's a degree of patience there with the Sixers where like, and also we're in the Eastern conference, dude, like, like it, I don't think it'll take that much effort to be a top four team in the Eastern conference, given the talent level, the Sixers, you do not have that luxury, man. Like the, the two best teams in the NBA are in the East, but well, okay. Denver, Denver, Denver's number one. And then Milwaukee and Boston are two and three, but the, the cluster of really good competitive teams in the West is where it separates there. So like the Lakers can't afford to lose too much. So what right. happens? We can't LeBron's afford to back lose up to, to 38 minutes magic, a night. Yeah. Which LeBron's means. back up to 38 minutes a night. Right. And like, you can't, so it's this weird give and take of like, I, you know, you young guys need to play better. So like LeBron can still stay fresh and be amazing, you know, by game 80, but you're fucking up. So now we yeah. just got to play LeBron forever just to get this win, you know. So yep. yeah, hopefully they pick it up a little bit and and LeBron starts stops bearing so much of the burden here cuz he's playing amazing, but like you don't you don't want to ask 38 minutes a night of the guy. Not not after no. he's played, you know, six NBA careers worth of games basically as averages go, right? Like yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, at 37 38 years of age, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a goddamn yeah, you robot. Don't want that. Even a robot breaks down the older it gets. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, yeah, man, that's it. No more bullshit right. for me. Yeah, okay. Well, we did it. Um, so let's, let's, rate, let's these rate these beers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to go yeah. first? Um, sure, yeah. Uh, great Nation. Or is it? Oh, Great Notion. I'm sorry. Great, great I Notion. I think I said Great Nation earlier. Great Notion. Double stack, 11% ABV, 16 ounce uh, Imperial Breakfast Stout. 
I give this a solid eight. Hell yeah, man. That's like the highest yeah. rating you ever given a stout, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, doing these pods with you makes me want to try stouts more. You love stouts. And I was yeah. like, man, I'm, I'm missing the boat or something on these stouts. And sure enough, it's becoming stout weather out here in San Diego, finally. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm in the mood. And uh, this oh, was yeah. a good... This was a great notion for this episode. <laughs> Did we have we been to the brewery yet out here near me? I do not believe we have. No. Oh, we need to go there. Yeah, because they yeah. they're the ones who do all the they do bourbon barrel aged pastry stouts, and it's it's like what you're drinking. Oh yeah, but bourbon barrel aged. It's expensive, but like you look, you can get a flight. Let's just we'll save up our ducats. We'll get a nice flight of like fourteen percent ABV shit. We'll have a good <laughs> evening, right? Like it's all right. yeah. Oh, it's it's crazy. The the brewery definitely like that is you know much like society specializes in a lot of Belgian stuff or you know like just sort of the lighter hoppier Belgiany um, Trappist kind of stuff. Um, the brewery was here was put on Earth to make just insane bourbon barrel aged stouts that are very expensive, but uh, but but quite great, <laughs> right? So all right, uh, on to mine. Speaking of stouts, this this funky new thing that the kids are doing called a golden stout. Brewabunga Cove, Imperial, Imperial Golden Cold Brew with hazelnut and vanilla. 5.5. 5. 5.5. 5. Oh, 5. wow. I, it, I don't get it. I don't get it. Like mm. it but, but, but it's not about not getting it. It's, it's about enjoying it for like the thing it is, right? And, and while I was drinking it, it was fine. It had like some smooth vanilla stuff to it. And maybe I'm a little too harsh for a 5.5, but gosh darn it. I, I give pretty high ratings to things. So I am, I am also trying to like not let my ratings get a little too OP here. Right. So, so it's only a little better than average, maybe a six. Let's make it a six. Just, just, just to make, yeah. Cause I would say a five is average. That's what you give like a Bud Light, you know, Oh, see, I'd give a Bud Light like a one and a half. That's how I look. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, as far as like a light beer goes, it's just, it's, it is what it is. You know, it's just, that's what it is. That said, I would rather drink any other light beer than a Bud Light, if we're going to use that (laughs) example. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Coors Light? What do you got on a Coors Light? Me three. Okay. What what about a Coors Banquet? Four and a half, 5.0, just right on the nose. Right. Okay. Like so, that's the average. Okay. But the thing, like this, we've talked about this. I think on a recent episode, it's where cost matters. Like, like I can get, I can get a twelve pack of Coors Banquet for like eleven bucks. That matters, right? Because Coors Banquet is not as good as, let's say. Uh, what is the belching beef, or is it stone? The Buena Vesa, the one that's like a lager with the salt and lime. It's basically yeah. like a Corona with the lime and salt in it. Mm-hmm. I like Buena Vesa way more, but you know, I get twelve cores for ten bucks. It's like three Buena Vesas, <laughs> you know. So that stuff matters. But yeah, okay, let's let's boost this to a six, and I'll feel better about it. Okay. I have one more in my fridge. I'll drink it. I won't hate it, but it's a bit it's a bit wonky. It, it's kind of stouty, kind of Belgiany kind of golden and kind of coffee-ish and therefore it's sort of, but it doesn't land hard in any one of those things and doesn't hit for any one of those things. Um, so anyway, yeah. so, so there you go. That's, that's this episode's beer ratings. You can find yeah, me uh, on going back to mine yeah. real quick. I didn't talk enough about you it. You can't find me uh, on shit. Scott's not done. 
Boom. Yeah. Hey, I'm bringing it back. So yeah. the thing I was thinking about this as I was drinking it, this is 11%. It didn't taste like an 11%. And that's mm-hmm. partially why it got an eight rating mm-hmm. because when something is 11, it's strong as fuck. And you can yeah. usually taste the strong as fuckness of it. Yes, you can. You cannot with this. Um, I think it was the combination of like the, the stout and the maple syrup. That yeah. really like tampers it down, so you're yep. kind of focusing more on the sweetness. It's a it's pretty sweet for a guy that likes sweets. It's very sweet. So if you don't like sweet stuff, you're not going to enjoy this. Um, but if you do want an eleven percent stout without feeling like you're getting punched in the face, yeah, yeah, this is the guy for you. Yeah, I mean, and this is you know the 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 way I first found out about this is when my buddy Martin came down to L.A. and he was like, I got a beer for you. This is like my favorite stout. And, uh, and he brought this beer a couple years ago, and uh, I, I enjoyed those. And since then, Tavor has added it to their rotation. And as I may have mentioned on a previous podcast, I see it come up, and I just grab four every time, right, just to have them around. So, yeah, man, good good stuff. Okay, now we're here. Now we're here. Now we're at all the all the basic, uh, all the stuff we close an episode with. So you can find me on Instagram at Keith underscore Invader. I'm getting way more into the reels and stuff, but uh, hey, I'm posting. I'm posting little little video logs of comic shops I'm going to. Um, by the time you get this, you'll see uh, Scott and I actually sort of immortalized our trip to Society into SoCal with a little run through of uh, Society and uh, well, a, a shot of us drinking a beer, and then some of the quick hits of what you could expect um, if you go to SoCal Comics. Of course, my books and all those things. Uh, speaking of my books, you can find them on uh, Keith R. Foster.com. That is my website. You can get Kadojo, which is Giant Monsters Meet HP Lovecraft, Three Protectors, which is Kung Fu in Space, and Animals, which is Horror, 28 Days Later Meets Pet Cemetery, all at KeithRFoster.com, all waiting for you right now in the web store. And you can find me at Scott Lost, S-C-O-T-T-L-O-S-T, on Twitter, Instagram, and Threads, and Facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost. You can pick up my books at AccidentalAliens.com, Second Shift, Minimum Wage Superheroes, Wanders Milsanda, Anthropomorphic Dinosaurs vs. Humans, A Thousand Years in the Future on a Completely Different Planet, and a bunch of anthology series, Tales from the Mothership, Accidental Aliens Anthology, 2018 19 and uh um, 2017 is there but it's digital only at this point we've long since sold out of that uh make sure you're picking those books up at accidentalaliens.com and of course astounding adventures number one is on kickstarter right now um i will be writing that off on my taxes as soon as it's over but in the meantime you need to back it If you want to support the podcast, you want to support us, that's how you do it. We do not have a Patreon. We do Kickstarters. We make comics. You guys love talking or listening and creating comic books. So certainly you would like to pick up our books and read them. So uh, check that out. It is at kickstarter.com. Search for Astounding Adventures or go to my social medias, which I just mentioned, and the link will be in the bios of those. Yeah, yeah, and and since well, we already talked about it. We're the five star motherfucking experience. It was in the letter. That's how you know it's true. So if you haven't rated us five stars yet, if you haven't thrown us some words on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, then do that. It it helps. It helps expand the audience and it helps expand the dialogue. Because when you expand the audience and people write cool things, we get topics out of it and we get to talk our way through. Even if those topics are 
the least listened to episode in making comics history. So, uh, so that that might be where we are. But goddamn it, Yolo, we're we're riding out in the sunset like powerhouses on this man. We're gonna we're gonna own this least listened to episode ever. <laughs> Death, taxes, and comics. Yeah, inevitable. Just like AI's crossover, baby. Or Thanos. Thanos is crossover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like watch infinity. out for it. <laughs> <laughs> bitch, I'll you cross you over and like snap you out of existence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's not snapping your ankles. He's snapping you out of existence <laughs> with that crossover. <laughs> hey, do we have a way to get it? Can people get in contact with us, Scott? Yeah, making comics podcast at gmail.com. Hit us up there if you have any questions, comments, concerns. If you feel like we gave you the wrong tax advice, go fuck yourself. I'm We're not accountants, knucklehead. <laughs> <laughs> we make comic books. We don't do taxes. We file them. But we do not do them. Um, exactly. Yeah. We you, hire professionals to, to us, do them. Right. That's right. Hire someone who actually knows what the fuck they're doing with taxes. Exactly. Um, yeah, hit us up at makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com, or you can hit us up individually if you'd like uh, on our social medias, which we previously provided with you. Yeah. We did it. We did it. There will... Get some. There... Yeah, there there will be no more least listened to episodes ever. We can't make this joke anymore. We've done the episode. Like I don't we know how it. we. This is the furthest I've been from the Shire, Sam. I don't know what we're gonna do from here. <laughs> so anyway, but we did it. We we got through this this episode. Um, we do hope that you stayed all the way through us. There is some good stuff in there, tax experts or not. And more importantly, we have done it world's best cup of coffee and we will see you next week no more music yeah yeah hold hold on one second my dog's fucking barking let me see what the hell is going on with her Scott Lost is checking on his dog. Scott's checking on his dog. Oh, shit, he's back.